This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Witching Hour, the podcast that looks at what's exciting, delighting, intriguing and frustrating us when it comes to making work, work. I'm Lucinda. And I'm Loz. And as per, I am starting today with a good news story from Future Women. For the first time ever, all ASX 100 companies have at least one woman in their executive team. File under, wins we're celebrating through gritted teeth. Lou, you sent me this article recently and I got to admit, when you sent it to me, honestly, I thought, yeah, yeah, I get it. Kindness is common sense. But then I actually read it properly and the way they described kindness in the workplace is what caught my attention. Being kind to me equates to being nice, really, uh, and probably polite, I'd say. For example, giving nice feedback. Not being an arsehole. Not being an arsehole, yeah. Or asking how your colleagues are going, smiling in the morning. Smiling in the morning Well, is you know, it's hard. Underrated. Yeah, it is. Some people just keep their head down. It's exactly. very rude. Me. So this article <laughs> details how, and that's what I like about it the most, how to be kinder at work and it's not what you think. So let me, let me lay it out for you. Number one, practice self-care love this. Yeah, except it's it's interesting. So a starting point for practicing self-care at work is understanding and managing your workload so that both you and your manager have a clear sense of priorities. So I guess this would potentially help to eliminate expectations that were too high and then that might create tension between you and your manager. But also on the other hand, you know when you overpromise and you oh, underdeliver and you yeah. know you're doing it but you want to give your best, but that would be annoying for the manager too. So a bit of self-care means that the expectations can be managed. And and I love that it's not like take time out, open each meeting with a question about how you're going. Can you notice my voice when I say that? It's so enraging. Like, no, this yes. is practical advice about your workload. Really practical. Yeah. This isn't where I thought this article was going. Yeah. Number two is my favourite because you know what I'm like. Do your job. Sounds so obvious, but I get it. What happens when you routinely arrive late or you fail to complete tasks integral to your position? Typically, others have to pick up the work. Mm, There's nothing worse than people that arrive late to everything. It's just disrespectful. It makes you dislike them. And again, it creates the opposite of kindness. Yeah, and it also makes you feel like their time is more important than yours. Yeah, you think they're arrogant straight away. Yeah, so when you don't do your work – it creates anxiety, stress, or frustration for everyone. So start with the basics by showing up on time and doing your job to the best of your ability. That is brilliant. Isn't it? I it's so like, simple. I feel like my life's been rocked with the most simple of right. advice. And by doing that, by actually doing your job, that is kindness. Yes. Because you're getting your work done that's in yes. your PD or maybe you're going above and beyond even better. Obviously, I'm not saying work till midnight. Mm. But you're alleviating that stress of putting your workload on somebody else's plate. Yeah, you're actually respecting your colleagues. Yeah, tip, 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 tick, tick, tick. That's what I meant. Uh, it's a big tip and it's a big tip. <laughs> Sorry. <from us. laughs> Number three, be conscientious with your feedback. Next time you're asked for your opinion on someone's work, be honest. It's a tricky one. Practice framing those seemingly negative pieces of feedback in a positive light. For example, This part of your presentation has been a bit flat for me because blah, 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 blah. I think it would be stronger if you used it as an opportunity to 
blah, blah, blah. See how when I'm saying that, it's not as if I'm saying your presentation sucked. That was brilliantly delivered. I felt empowered and I didn't even know what you were giving me feedback on. Lou, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Do you want my feedback? Yes, I do. Particularly because in 2022, so last year, Harvard Business Review conducted research and it found that women gave and received less truthful, i.e. nicer, feedback than their male counterparts and it held them back from progression. So my question to you is, when it comes to giving feedback, what's your comfort levels, firstly, particularly if it's negative or not negative, constructive? And then when you're receiving that feedback, so if someone's saying to you in a nicest possible way, okay, Lou, this was great, but blah, 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 blah. How are you feeling about that? So this is a really interesting one for me because I'm a pretty anxious people pleaser. So feedback, especially giving, is something that potentially doesn't sit that well with me, but that I'm working on. If it's more tangible feedback, like I had to give a lot of video editing and video production feedback in my old job, that's fine. Move this quote here to 09 seconds, whatever. That's a bit easy. Or like I think the intro is lacking a little bit. That's quite easy. If I was to give more leadership-based intangible feedback, I think that I'd find that really hard. And it's really interesting timing that we found this article because I was listening to a podcast with Holly Wainwright the other day and she mentioned the sandwich method, which I think is what I would do, but apparently it's actually not the best method. So the sandwich method essentially goes compliment, the feedback you actually want to give them, and then compliment. So you're enveloping that feedback in compliments. The problem with this is apparently a lot of people just hear the compliments. They don't get the thing that their manager or their colleague actually wants them to hear, which is the feedback. So firstly, I would say that I'm probably someone that would douse feedback in way too many compliments. So if and when I ever do lead again, that's something I need to note to myself to get a bit more straight with that person and not worry about offending them. Use that example like you did that actually made me feel empowered with that feedback. Receiving feedback. If it was in a sense that I'd let someone down, that more intangible feedback, I would feel really bad and guilty to that person. I'd really need to sit with that feedback. Again, if I'm getting that more tangible, constructive feedback, I'm like, easy, I'll do it. I'll fill any gaps that need filling and I will upskill in whichever way I need to. But the idea that someone would be nicer to me because I'm a woman and that that would hold me back infuriates me. Give me the hard feedback over that any day of the week. From my experience in a previous workplace as a manager, one thing that I found really set me up for success was actually asking my team how they like to receive feedback. I love this. What a brilliant and easy question to ask. It sounds so bizarre. We did this as a group activity and what I found was that, for example, I like to receive direct feedback at the time that it happens. I really hate when people sit on it for like a week and then they go, oh, by the way. yeah, I could have changed at the time. Exactly. And then also it's like awkward. It's like, well, okay, have you been thinking this for a week? Yeah, have you been hating me for a week? But some people said, you know what? I really don't like getting feedback in group settings. I prefer a Zoom call or I prefer you to Slack me. I would like it in a format that is a voice memo. However it might be, there's so many different ways of giving it mm. and sometimes even if you're writing it down and sending it to somebody I don't like that because well, I, I would just read too much into it yeah so I think that's a big tip for me if you're giving feedback ask your direct reports how they like to receive it that's a brilliant tip simple but effective doing a full circle and kindness being kind of course it means being nice but it also means offering feedback for the betterment of the person receiving it and the overall success of your company 
You're seeking deep down through that feedback to build somebody else up to better them. As women, I think we need to get more comfortable around having these conversations when it comes to giving and receiving feedback because as the research suggests, we are not benefiting as a collective by being nice or by being kind. This article has offered so much food for thought. For me now, I think of kindness as respecting your team enough to want the best for them. I found something that I know you're going to love. Oh, you say this and then I'm not sure that I will. You are. Okay. I'm going to open with some stats first before I tell you this story. In 2021, over three and a half million people aged over 65 were living alone in the UK, 70% of whom were women. That's over two and a half million women in the UK living on their own. Now, I know what some listeners are thinking, living on your own, beautiful, give me the peace, give me the quiet. I don't know, it sounds a bit grim. But for many, that'd plain suck. And one group of women have the answer. It's the Newground Village. Newground is the UK's first co-housing community exclusively for older women with residents aged from 58 to 94. Now, Loz, Newground Village isn't your regular retirement oh, village. it's a cool retirement village. It's a cool mom. Oh, wow. It's a cool mom. Okay. Some women here still work, some volunteer, and the purpose-built development is entirely managed by the women who set it up. So they actually live there. It's not like a we work. No, it's no, like they, a we reside there. <laughs> I love it. So there are 25 flats with 26 residents and their homes overlook a garden blooming with wildflowers and berries and the common meeting room is used for weekly dinners, film nights and yoga classes, oh, which they'll be schmick. quick to tell you and not cheer yoga. Maybe not the balance and bones that, um, that your beloved does. nanny does. <laughs> There is also a guest suite for overnight visitors. The writer of The Guardian piece had one burning question. Can you guess what it is? Are men allowed? Oh, well done. Is that what it was? Yeah, that was an actual question without notice and you nailed it. (laughs) Are men allowed was the burning question. Of course, everyone asks that, one of the residents said. We have brothers, fathers, sons, grandsons, lovers and everything in between. The only thing everything in, in between. Yeah, they're having a Gosh, bit of fun this there. Village. The on only fire. thing is they can't come and live here. One resident said that one of the great benefits for me is I no longer have the worrying ladder. My two daughters were worrying about me being on my own, and so then I started worrying about them worrying about me. Another said that it's great for networking. Mate, what are you networking at 94? Drop the networking. You've lived a full life. Some of them are 65. They're very busy. She said, I realised what a blessing it was to live here during the pandemic. Every day at 2pm, we keep fit in the car park and then sat in the garden. We had deliveries of food and some of us were able to get prescriptions. It sounds melodramatic, but I think I would have had some kind of meltdown without this community. Another illustration of the development's benefits was when one of the residents fell and broke her shoulder. My daughter and granddaughter came to visit, but they didn't have to keep coming around to make sure I was fed and that I was okay. I had people to do my shopping and pop around for a glass of wine. Oh. As a daughter, the idea of that is it's so, so warming. Cute. Yeah. And we talk so much about a village and the concept of a village and that especially in motherhood, we all need a village. And if I ended up without a partner, without my partner around for whatever reason, I sure as shit will be checking in to new ground. Oh, I'd be checking in regardless. Sounds like a haven. Doesn't that, isn't a that beautiful? A female haven. It's beautiful. What I loved most about this piece was that idea of the worrying ladder. You know when people worry about you, 
you in turn worry about them worrying about you. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to know that your parent is being cared for in the times that you can't be there with them. Yeah, I also just think of the idea of a bunch of women getting together and the cleanliness. Oh, and just the fun, oh, that sense man. of fun. If you were widowed, and not all of them would be, but if you were widowed or if you went through a breakup or if you just had been living on your own for a really long time, That's imagine so living nice. with a sisterhood like that. So refreshing. Yeah, I love it. It's I say bottoms up to these women and I hope that this trend is like huge by the time we're grandparents. Get me in there. Yep, agreed. Loz, the question that we asked our Ready or Not community this week was your idea and it's a brilliant question and that was what workplace perks are really appealing to parents? I love this because for me it's changed. So I remember being really young and being like, I want a pool table. Not that I can play pool but I thought it was cool. Oh, my God, that is definitely I'm actually what horrific. I I'm pretty good at pool. Bit of a shark. <laughs> But I know exactly what you mean. I used to be like, let's go to a pub with a pool table. Yeah, like I want to go out for drinks, I want to be really social. And the older I get, the more I'm like, fuck that, man. I just want to go in, get my stuff done, like have nice people, have a little chit chat, go for a coffee. I don't want to be hanging around boozing till 10 p.m. No, and even if you do want to, it's harder to do. So it's sometimes not even a want. It's just like this will ruin my whole weekend. It will. It's like a three-day recovery process. Mm. Some of the responses that came through interested me actually because I thought surely these are the norm now but clearly they're not multiple people wrote in and I'm just not talking about like one or two this is a significant amount said flexible hours so truly flexible hours and working from home I'm gobsmacked that organizations still don't promote working from home like on what planet one day a week like at least have a hybrid model but surely for them it mustn't be as productive because for those people that have to travel or commute you're losing that time like people are logging they're actually spending more time working when you are working from home and you're clocking off at five on the dot because you're probably racing to get back to a partner it's or to so odd i found the idea of truly flexible hours interesting too here because we all know that places are a bit more flexible and like if you're having a hard day let me know but the idea here really would be i need to clock off at two I'll come back on at 8 p.m. Yeah. And that's obviously still a bit of a workplace culture issue that places aren't really allowing, especially mums, to work at the times when they can. Well, like, can't we bring it back to get your, get your shit done? done? Yes. And give people a chance. If it doesn't work, pair it back, change it. Well, that's the whole reason you've got probation periods, right? Exactly. But give them a chance. Like if it was me and I went back to my job, I probably would have wanted to maybe work nine till four. And then do that extra hour after dinner. Not always, but I would want the option to do that. I think people's productivity levels differ too. I'm super productive as in my mind is like racing, ready to go, want to get stuff done in the morning. I would almost prefer to wake up. I mean, I hate when people say this, wake up before the kids. Like who does that? Me. I do that. I'm a freak. I love waking up before, right? Yeah. I know what you mean. But I want to go to bed at like... 8 o'clock, 8.30, like 9 maximum. I don't want to be hanging around doing work until midnight. It's just not for me. Same. And the idea that you could start work at 7 and finish at 3 for the day. It's still not widely accepted though, is it? Absolutely. No. God, no. Yeah. No. Other things that perplexed me slightly was things like maternity leave. The perks that people are asking for seem to be They're quite basic, aren't they? Basic perks. Basic like that's what surprised needs. me. <laughs> well, that's what surprised me the most. Like Flexible working, yeah. working from home, flexible hours. You'd think most companies would be offering at least a month of paid leave by now, wouldn't you? 
a lot aren't though. Really small businesses, I get that that would be a struggle. And I guess that's why a lot of people lean on the government for parental leave. They say, oh, well, you're getting government pay. But yeah, and you are, absolutely. But it's minimum wage. Yes. Is the government's end goal of pay to go up to six months by the time that rollout's totally finished? Is that right? Does it go up to 24 weeks? 26 weeks, 24 weeks. I'm not sure. Yeah, because that then is sort of at least something. Yeah, but it's not as if you get it in a lump sum. No, and also six months still isn't long. Mate, I went to a grocery shop the other day and I shit you not, without buying meat, it was like $140. It's sickening. Yeah, it's a lot of money. One that I really loved that caught my attention because I know how you feel about this is dislike dinners slash celebrations that are scheduled at night slash during peak parenting times. Do it over lunch. Why are you making me work after hours networking with my colleagues? No bueno. No. Another one that I thought was interesting, which someone said as like an ideal scenario would be, it'd be great if there was some form of childcare. So either some kind of deal to prioritize access or onsite childcare. I mean, look, we're a long way off that. However, I do know a friend of mine, her company does this really cool thing with daycare, which I love that incentivizes women to come back to work maybe earlier than they otherwise would have. So they subsidize some of the money that you pay for daycare. They bridge that gap, which I think is amazing. So the day of care is almost free once you've had the government and then the business's subsidy added to it. Yes. Wow. So it's encouraging what they're doing is they're saying, if you want to come back to work, earlier we'd like to support you in that and maybe there's a cap on it so maybe it's for the first six months we'll bridge the subsidy yeah not the subsidy the gap interesting i sort of love it and i'm sort of like is that rushing mothers back I'm maybe sure. it is maybe it is but yeah. but for some people it's still a big saving. god i would actually say the best perk of all is getting paid for the hours and work oh getting paid what you're worth getting paid the same as your doing. male colleague Loz, I mentioned a mother untitled Instagram post last week and I've gone back for more. I'm going back to Nia Roosh. She is talking about really interesting things when it comes to rebranding the career pause. And I want to share another post with you. So here she says, I made a six-figure salary by 24, went to the best business school in the world at 27 and got my dream title at 29. I never felt more ambitious than the day I chose to pause my career for family life. And again, a year later, when I started a passion project. And again, when I paused to grow as a mother of two. And again, when I asked for help so I could grow this business at 37. Ambition isn't your schooling, your title or your salary. It's the constant and deliberate aligning of your actions with the life you want to live. And above all, it's trusting yourself. Now, I think as mothers, we to and fro between different parts of our lives to do with work and motherhood. Sometimes we're in the deep seasons of motherhood. Other times, maybe the kids have gone back to school, we're back to work. With this comes so many identity shifts. We can sometimes have those moments of like, what the fuck am I doing? Especially in the work setting. It can be like if you've taken a step back or you've done what I've done recently and turned freelance, You question yourself all the time. I've done it so much since I decided to freelance over going back to my job. I could have gone back to the comfort of four days a week of set work. Instead, I've got uncertainty. I make good money one month. The next, I'm much quieter. You've got to chase work. It's a totally different beast. So I really just wanted to bring this post and this quote to any mum out there who is struggling with identity at the moment. If they're having one of those, what the fuck am I doing with myself moments? I want to really highlight this bit. 
the constant and deliberate aligning of your actions with the life you want to live. Oh, it struck a chord with me. This can change a lot in motherhood as we've just spoken about. It can leave our identities feeling a little bit shaky. You know, when you want something that you didn't once want, like it might be, I just thought I'd go back to work five four or five days a week and that would be me. Yeah, but it's okay to change your mind. So this post reminds me of why I didn't go back to my job full of certainty. I'm trying to grow ready or not with you. I'm trying to grow this child in my stomach. And I'm doing a lot of exciting freelance work on the side too. It has a lot of ebbs and flows. So ambition looks really different for me at the moment. And I do really have those moments of being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You should have gone back to that certainty. Why have you done this to yourself? But this post serves as a really good reminder. The one conundrum for me is I still feel at my most ambitious if I have a big work day or if I'm feeling really organized and on top of things. It's still all about the doing. If I do a lot of things, I feel at my most ambitious. I know you're the same. How do we try and deprioritize that? Oh, it's really hard and I'm terrible at it. So I feel like I'm probably the worst person to ask. But I think ambition for me anyway comes in bursts. So there'll be certain times where I feel like super driven and like super motivated and I want to get stuff done. And then other times when I don't. And I think it's being okay with that. And that's such a good point. It's almost what this article or this Instagram post is talking about. It's that ambition has different stages. So when I'm riding the wave of ambition and enjoying that, that's okay. It's more about when we're taking those quiet times, forgiving ourselves and knowing that that next wave of energy is coming and that we don't always need to be chasing ambition. So ambition could be in burst. I really love this quote mainly because I'm an action-orientated person particularly around aligning your actions to the life you want to live. And I think that life changes. Sometimes that means reducing your hours to spend more time with your kids or maybe it means ramping yourself up and throwing yourself into a new project. So just acknowledging that we can be at different stages of our lives. It doesn't mean we're not ambitious. And also we don't always need ambition. So for anyone out there that needs to hear it, repeat after me. Ambition is not your schooling, your title or your salary. Loz. You have a hot tip for me. My tip is don't fall for the tiara syndrome. So the tiara syndrome involves waiting for other people to notice your achievements and put a tiara on your head essentially. I guarantee the women in the ASX top 100 have not waited. They put those tiaras on their own heads. They did. So my advice would be practice confidence but don't undersell your achievements. If you're in the job market, add your achievements to your resume. So put them as a little highlight under each of your roles goes without saying but so many women don't do this I think because it feels like self-indulgent put them on and if you're re-entering the workforce and looking to reduce the number of your days know your value and bring your past achievements to the table when you're negotiating that achievement piece seems like a really important part of resumes these days too so I think that is a hot tip I've never heard of the tiara syndrome and I love it I'm too lazy for a tip this week so I'm just going to talk about the two books I'm reading as if you're lazy if you're reading. I also love that I just said the two books that I'm reading. How I know. annoying is that? I'm reading <laughs> you're freak. Very, I'm very, I'm Put reading. them down. How do you have so much time? What's wrong with you? I'm reading them very slowly. See, I'm the mum that- shamer. I'm the mum <laughs> shamer. It's me. If you haven't listened to the episode two episodes ago, uh, Loz is the problem. No, yeah, <laughs> seriously. No, I hate it when people say like I'm reading two books and I'm lazy. That was so annoying. I am reading these books at snail pace. So I can't even give a full review. 
because I haven't finished them. Good, but I'm that makes me feel better. Them. And because I am so lazy, I'm just going to read the blurbs straight from the website. So these books that I'm reading are both written by mothers. One finished hers while she was pregnant. The other, I believe, is a mother by the time she's written this book, but it's about her journey into it anyway. So the first one is Something Bad is Going to Happen by Jessie Stevens. Adela is facing the dawn of a new year and the end of her 20s, and she's in a psychiatric unit recovering from a mental breakdown. I'm hooked. A decade earlier, her life held such promise. She had every option in her hand. How did it come to this? As we go back and walk with Adela through her 20s, she searches for her grand purpose through love, career and travel. At her side through the tumultuous highs and lows is her best friend Jake, facing his own challenges and opportunities. They both know the future must have something better to offer, but why does it but why does it always feel in the bottom of their stomachs as though something bad is going to happen? Dealing with the weight young women bear through pressure, anxiety, rejection. This is a generation-defining novel. I'm really enjoying this book. I'm not that far through, but I know it's going to be good. Okay. That's the first one. I'll lend it to you afterwards. It is paperback. Is it on Audible? It definitely would be. Yeah. I only read hardcovers. Yeah. That's another joke, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So my second book is The Panic Years by Nell Frizzell. This maddening period of transformation and personal crisis is recognisable by the myriad of decisions we make about partners, holidays, jobs, homes, savings, friendships, all of which are impacted by the urgency of the single decision that comes with a biological deadline, the one decision that is impossible to take back, whether or not to have a baby. But how to stay sane in such a maddening time? How to know who you are and what you might want from life? How to know if you're making the right decisions. Nell Frizzell's account of her panic years is both an arm around the shoulder and a campaign to start a conversation. This affects us all, women, men, mothers, children, partners, friends, colleagues. So it's time we started talking about it with a little more candour. This is really funny and a really great read and Nell Frizzell has done a series of podcast episodes which I highly recommend listening to. I'd never heard of the phrase the panic years, but yeah, I neither think a I. lot I of women it. can relate to it as soon as they hear those three words. Let me guess. It's your mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Loz, we're clocking off. Thanks for listening to Witching Hour. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please leave us a positive review and don't forget to follow us at readyornot.pod.